Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. History Hub is based at the University College Dublin School of History. For more information, including information on taking open learning modules in history at UCD, which are open to the public, go to historyhub.ie. In this episode, Columbanus, Saviour of Civilization, a podcast recorded by Dr. Elvis Johnston to mark 1,400 years since the saint's death in 615. On the 23rd of November, 615 AD, 1400 years ago, the Irish cleric Columbanus died in Bobbio, the Italian monastery which he himself had founded. Columbanus was famous in his lifetime, a man who wrote to popes, enjoyed the patronage of kings, but who also incurred opposition for his very strongly held opinions. He is by far the most famous of the so-called Irish Peregrini, clerics who left Ireland in a form of exile in order to find God. For the Irish, a Peregrinus was the equivalent of a martyr. He is sometimes portrayed as a man who saved European civilization from the Dark Ages, when the Irish were attempting to join the common market, forerunner of the European Union, they cited the legacy of Columbanus. For them, he was the iconic Irish European. As you will see, this is highly exaggerated, but at the same time, Columbanus really was important and arguably the single most influential Irishman of the early Middle Ages, but on the continent and not in Ireland. We are lucky to know so much about him. He speaks to us directly from his letters written to a variety of recipients. And it's very unusual to have somebody writing in the first person from this era, and he's the only Irish person we have evidence of this type for. He was the author of an influential monastic rule and a penitential, both noteworthy for their emphasis on asceticism and purity of religious practice. Aspects of the rule of Columbanus were adapted by many monasteries across Western Europe. His penitential, basically a handbook which listed sins and their appropriate, usually very heavy penances, helped popularise the practice of private individual penance for sinful behaviour. Before this date, penance had tended to be done in public, and so this is quite a major change. Uh, We also have The Life of Columbanus, a biography written by the monk Jonas between 639 and 642, around two decades after Columbanus's death. Jonas was a monk of one of his monasteries, uh, Bobbio, but entered it after Columbanus had died. However, there were many people still alive who had known the saint and were interested in protecting and promoting his legacy. What emerges is a man of deep learning, severe asceticism, self-discipline and very strong opinions, some of which would have appeared extreme by the standards of his Irish contemporaries. With these sources, we can begin to outline his career, although we know much more about his activities on the continent than in Ireland. He may have been born around 543 AD in what is now County Carlow in Leinster. His mother recognised his talents at an early age and promoted his education. He eventually left Leinster for Ulster, he initially studied with the well-known master Sheenilis at Cleanish in Fermanagh. Sheenilis was probably an expert in computus, the dating of Easter, a topic which was of great, almost obsessive importance to Columbanus. Following this, Columbanus joined the monastery of Bangor in County Down, still under the rule of its founder saint, St. Covgill. The famous Antiphonary of Bangor, our main source for the liturgy of the early Irish church, contains a hymn, Procamor Patrum, We Beseech the Father, which many scholars believe was written by Columbanus while he was still in Bangor. However, Columbanus was not satisfied. Jonas tells us that he was inspired by a female hermit, uh, unnamed, to seek a purer religious life by going into exile uh, to go on peregrinatio. She told him that the best form of exile was not simply about leaving home, but leaving the homeland entirely. She even said that the only thing stopping her was the dangers that would face her as a woman. 
Columbanus arrived on the continent in 691, arriving in Brittany. From there, he made his way into the lands controlled by the Frankish Merovingian kings, the most powerful rulers in Western Europe at the time. He founded three monasteries in close proximity to each other in Burgundy, Annegray, Luxoy and Fontaine, forming a mini monastic empire with Luxoy at its head. Uh, he began to run into trouble, uh, not something very surprising for a man with such strong opinions. Uh, first of all, on the dating of Easter, he used a different method, one that he had learned in Ireland, um, which varied from that used by his continental contemporaries. Dating Easter was a crucial issue for early medieval Christians. There were also issues of authority. Did the local Merovingian bishops have authority over Columbanus's foundations or not? Uh, Columbanus clearly didn't think they had, but they thought they did. Furthermore, he refused to legitimise the sons of the Merovingian ruler, Suderic II, his patron. This also placed him at odds with Tutheric's mother, the powerful and much maligned Merovingian Queen Brunhilde, who had previously been a strong supporter. It's an interesting detail, as Irish marriage customs recognised the vast majority of offspring as legitimate, whether the mother was formally ma married to the father or not. Uh, in this way, Columbanus was very much at odds with what would have been the common opinion in Ireland at the time. Um, as a result of these very difficulties, after at this point he had fallen out not only with the king, but with the king's mother and with the local clergy, he was expelled from Luxoy in 610 and was almost forced to return to Ireland. Uh, he was put onto a boat at Nantes, uh, but the boat that was meant to take him back to Ireland was stranded by a storm, and instead he found refuge with King Thudebert II and established a monastery at Bregenz on Lake Constance. He seems to have engaged in some preaching while there, but his missionary interests have been much exaggerated by later writers. Mission was not his main concern, so one of the myths about Columbanus, that he converted Europe in the midst of the Dark Ages to Christianity, um, is in fact uh, simply a myth. He moved across the Alps into the kingdom of the Lombards in northern Italy. Uh, along the way, he had a falling out with one of his monks, Gaul, who had been one of his original Irish followers. The latter went on to be the founder of the famous monastery of St. Gallen, uh, even though this was many years after his death. And his falling out with Gaul, in a way, is representative of the way that Columbanus did manage to alienate some of his closest supporters over the course of his career. Columbanus was in Milan by 612, there he won the support of the Lombard king Agalulf and his very influential wife, Theodolinda. He founded Bobbio in 614, which was located on a major routeway across the Apennines. He died the following year, but Bobbio not only preserved his legacy, but expanded it and emphasised his importance. It became a hugely important monastery, popularising Columbanus's ideals, as well as nurturing a link with Ireland, which lasted for many centuries. What mattered to Columbanus? Certain strands really stand out in his career, even from the brief sketch that I've given. And I'm going to take three in particular. Uh, first of all, women were very important to Columbanus as both inspirations and as patrons. Uh, it was Columbanus's mother who hothoused him and inspired him to go on a course of uh, education while he was still very young. And interestingly enough, uh, his father is not mentioned in any of the documents uh, related to him. Only his mother is mentioned. So clearly a very important person in his life. Um, Columbanus is also inspired to go into exile uh, by the advice of a female hermit. Again, we don't have her name, but she's clearly a very important figure uh, for Columbanus. And he may not have gone to the continent at all, except for the advice that she gave him. And two of his most important patrons uh, were women, uh, Brunhilde, who he later fell out with, and Theodolinda, um, and he died essentially before he could fall out with her. 
Um, another issue that was very important to Colin Bannis was the dating of Easter. Uh, this seems very arcane, I think, to modern audiences. Uh, but for early Christians, as, as it still is the case today, Easter was the most important date on the Christian calendar. However, they were unsure how to date it. And various tables had come into existence uh, by the 6th century uh, trying to establish the correct date for Easter. For Columbanus, however, it was not simply a matter of mathematics. It went to the heart of issues of correct belief and authority. Now, Columbanus did find himself on the wrong side of history when it came to the dating of Easter. And following his death, his communities, with some relief, uh, it must be said, uh, went back to the uh, common Roman method of dating Easter. But again, in his writings, it very much, it very much shows the importance of Easter to him. And finally, Ireland was extremely important to him. He declared in a letter to Pope Boniface IV, probably written in 613, that the Irish were the ideal Christians. Their remote location at the world's edge ensured their freedom from heresy. He was acutely aware of being Irish. He mentioned it on several occasions in his own writings. It's emphasised in his biography. And, and very much we can see here um, the sort of identity that emigrants often take uh, when they're away from their homeland. And for Colin Bannis, his Irishness uh, was probably more important to him than it would have been to his contemporaries who remained within Ireland. Why then is Colin Bannis important? First of all, he's a figure of international significance because of his contribution to the growing vitality of monasticism, uh, both through his writings and through his foundation of many important monasteries. As a 6th century Irishman, he speaks to us in his own voice, something incredibly rare. He sheds light on his Irish and his continental experiences and his feelings as an Irishman. He's a brilliant writer. He helped establish networks of communication which linked Ireland with its neighbours. Nevertheless, and very interestingly, he was not celebrated in Ireland at all in the Middle Ages. It is not until the 17th century that a cult was developed around him in Ireland, and this owes much to the politics of the Counter-Reformation. Columbanus was much more important abroad than he was at home, mirroring the experience of emigrants in many times and places, a case of out of sight, out of mind. Did Columbanus save civilization? Well, no, but we must beware of both Iromania and Irophobia, the tendency to see the Irish as either the best or the worst in the world. Columbanus's significance can be appreciated within a nuanced context, which appreciates the contributions of others as well. Finally, Columbanus is often seen as normative or, or representative in a particular way, but he is in fact unique and should be celebrated for this uniqueness. His letters frequently reverberate with a combative, passionate anger for truth, which can still speak to us 1400 years after his death.